You're listening to Soul Crush, a podcast dedicated to spirituality, sexuality, and stories that soothe, inspire, and break the soul. We release an episode each new and full moon to support you on your path of awakening, of embodiment, and walking this feminine way of being in the world. My name is Adriana Rizzolo, and I'm so grateful and humbled to be your host. And I pray that we all become free of the shame that binds us. Today's soul crush is Lisa Levine. Lisa is a licensed acupuncturist, Reiki master, a natural healer and artist, as well as the founder of Maha Rose, a healing center in Brooklyn, New York, as well as a retreat space in upstate New York. The tools she uses are touch, shiatsu, Reiki, guided visualization, the breath, laughter, and on very full moons, a song. She wants you to remember who you really are letting go of everything that isn't serving you and connecting you with your more radiant self. She specializes in mental and emotional disorders as well as trauma and major life changes. She's available for acupuncture, Reiki, body work, breath work, and group breath work sessions. She offers laughter sessions and laughter yoga, which is so fun, and I've done it with her and have caught that bug and do it myself sometimes on retreats. And she also offers spiritual business coaching and consulting, which we get into a little bit in this episode. I feel really grateful that Lisa took the time to share with me because she has been such an inspiration from afar and up close um, in my own personal healing journey. She um, has... I've done Reiki training with her. She's given me many, many Reiki sessions over the years when, um, you know, I was learning and growing and healing a lot when I lived in Brooklyn. And I just love Lisa's whole energy and her, her ability to really just hold such a loving space. And we get into all types of topics from the hugging St. Ama to being a mother and connecting into child into her child through um, energy and just so many amazing things that we talk about. So stick around and if you feel inspired to leave a review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it and you could send me any feedback that you have for these episodes and I hope that they're serving your heart and that you're feeling really full and just feeling like you're receiving the medicine that your soul needs in this moment on your journey. So thank you again for joining us and I hope you have a really beautiful day and or evening. Hi, welcome back to Soul Crush. Um, My soul crush today is Lisa from Maha Rose, Lisa (laughs) Levine. (laughs) Did I say it right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Lisa Levine, um, who is the owner of Maha Rose in Brooklyn, New York, and she also has another um, space in upstate New York. So hi, Lisa. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. I have known Lisa for some years and years and years from back in Brooklyn, and 
Uh, I used to teach at her space, her healing, <coughs> healing center um, called Maha Rose. And I used to show up. I, I like telling the story because it's fun, but I used to just show up. It was like in the beginning of Maha Rose and, um, or somewhere near the beginning, but I would teach um, a couple days a week and I would show up and sometimes it would just be me and like another friend or me and Lisa and um, you know, a couple other people and we would chant and do some stretches and <laughs> just do our practice together. And it was so sweet. And it always reminds me and just like reconnects me to the, the journey of um, me teaching yoga, but as a healing modality more than a physical, I mean, it is a physical, a practice for the physical body. But for me, it's always been such a deeper way of connecting to the spirit and of healing. And so I always think of you and think mm -hmm. of how that really helped nurture my passion to share it as, you know, to share the chanting and to share these other things that some other places that I taught maybe wouldn't have been open to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had forgotten about those classes, but I'm remembering um, a couple of experiences with you and definitely tears, like, yeah, yoga as a healing modality. And you're singing, it's always, yeah. I mean, when somebody sings to me in any kind of um, class or session, I instantly melt <laughs> into a puddle <laughs> of tears on the floor. But yeah, I, those were really special. And something about the morning, the morning practice, which mm. it's thing we don't have so many early morning things here now, but I think I'm a little more raw in the morning. And yeah. I remember, yeah, you coming and just just crying in your arms <laughs> yeah. in yoga class yoga yeah. quote unquote yeah exactly <laughs> in the true sense true of yoga yeah. yeah totally well yeah so so thank you I mean I just want to share my my gratitude for you and for holding that space and um maybe you can share with us why you began Maha Rose or take us back to the beginning of that space because I feel like there wasn't a ton of, you know, now there's, even just in that time, you may share how long it's been around. And I know in that time, healing has really expanded in this beautiful way to, you know, to so many people. And, and I feel like when you began that studio, it was kind of the beginning of that, at least from my perspective, um, the beginning of the resurgence of that. I think healing modalities have obviously been around forever, but in our modern culture. Yeah, um, so I moved into the space that was that is now Maha Rose in 2003. I moved back to New York and I was doing, I was making jewelry and I had graduated from art school and was like, actually lived in Pittsburgh for a year. I was in California and then I was in Pittsburgh for a year and I actually, after art school, I was like, well, how am I going to make a living? And I took a couple massage courses and tried to, set up shop as a massage therapist in, in Pittsburgh in 2002 and it just wasn't the right time mm -hmm. and had a lot of weird experiences which I won't go into um, but started making some jewelry again which was something I'd done in grade school and high school and studied in Mexico and um, just right away saw that it could be successful and that I could have my own business and just kind of have a create yeah have a creative business and so I moved to New York and dove headfirst 
into the fashion world, which I knew nothing about. I was coming from art school and did that really intensively for about five years. And my Reiki teacher and really good friend, Padma Gonzalez, would visit me every summer. And one summer she was like, you better get some tools together to take care of yourself. You're gonna make yourself sick. You're working so hard, like very mm-hmm. New York style. Yeah. I remember walking down the street and just praying and being like, I need some tools. (laughs) And I think it was like a week later or two weeks later, I don't know exactly, that I went to a yoga class. It was with Michael Hewitt at Go Yoga. This was like 2007 maybe. Um, And I had been to some yoga classes before, but never really got why people freaked out about yoga. But this was just the right yoga class at the right time. And it was really advanced. And I was doing like handstands and forearm stands and headstands. And I could do it all, but had this incredibly cathartic experience and was crying at the end. And Mm. I was like, yoga. (laughs) Okay, I get it. I get why people love yoga. So got really into yoga. From there, I got really into meditation. Um, then I, from there, met Amma, the hugging saint. Yeah. This was also 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up in India a few months after that to visit her and visit my friend. Um, came back and then was just waking up in the morning with really clear messages. And I was kind of just getting over the jewelry thing. This was definitely around the time of my Saturn returns. Although I think I was 30 years old, but I've always been a late bloomer and everything. So I think it was my Saturn returns and I was like, just kind of getting over the jewelry thing and was then waking up just with really clear messages about doing healing work. And I had already done my Reiki one and my Reiki two with Padma over the years. She was like, I'm going to teach you Reiki one. And now I'm going to teach you Reiki two. And then in 2000, so I, it took me about a year, but I decided to close the jewelry business. I did my Reiki masters with Padma in 2008. I started studying breathwork with Scott Schwenk and then met David Elliott, did all his healer trainings, drove cross country, thought I was going to leave New York, still had Maha Rose, still had lots of roommates. It wasn't Maha Rose yet, though. It was just a creative artist, healing-ish living place with lots of roommates. Luke Simon moved in. Um, That was... Yeah, I don't know, 2009, I came back and started leading some breathwork circles. And even before that, actually in 2007, when I got into meditation, I I was like, I'm not going to be able to make it to Manhattan (laughs) at 8 a.m. for meditation class. So we asked this really sweet guy, did you ever meet Ben Galmi? No. Total angel. We were like, would you, you know, teach us how to meditate here in Brooklyn? And so started a meditation circle in what is now the temple, but it was our living room then. Mm-hmm. Um, three days a week, we're meditating there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, just like really started having, hosting and creating the workshops that we wanted mm-hmm. to explore and experience that really didn't exist so much at the time, or maybe just a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe around 2010 or 11, the name came, maybe 2009. or nine. I don't even know. It just came one day. It was like Maha Rose. And I was like, Maha Rose, there she is. Because we had been looking for a name. And then I went to acupuncture school from 2010 to 2013. Not a whole lot happened, but just 
you know, workshops on the side. And then in 2013, we were like, let's make this a real business. So yeah. we did the website and we Wow, started. that was in 2015? 13, 2013. 13. Five oh, years ago. But still, even five, that's, I, I did hear you correctly, but then I said the wrong yeah. year. <laughs> but I was, because I was thinking like, wow, five years, like it feels like you've made such huge you've you've yeah like you've just grown so much like five years out like I'm like wow I would have thought but the roots the roots before that was really like 2007 2008 that makes sense like a 10-year kind of like yeah yeah you know and it's so it's so nice to hear like that aspect of it because you know I and because I work with other people as I know you do now and you know there's always that there's always that beginning you know where you're like like when you said how she was like oh I'm gonna do Reiki one with you now or I'm gonna do Reiki two with you, now. you know and I feel and I've had so many people in my life do that and and I still do in the ways that I'm still growing and then you know that's what you do and then you're kind of in it and you're like what am I doing but I'm still doing yeah. I'm doing that but like this doesn't really make sense with that and this life is you know so it's just so nice to hear because it just really is just, we just walk, you know, and we just keep walking yeah. and then yeah. everything keeps changing as it does anyway. And, and it's just, it's inspiring though to, to, because I know from my own experience and from people I work with how, you know, it can also feel so challenging when you're like, how am I ever going to like use my voice in this kind of way that I want to, or speak in front of a, you know, group or hold this healing session or whatever it is, even though, you know, maybe deep down, it's something that you want to do. So, um, yeah. Would you, do you have any, yeah. advice, any, any insights? I don't want to say advice. Cause for some reason, yeah. I don't like that word, <laughs> but any insights around, you know, that feeling of, you know, and we all have it in different ways. Like we're all going through growth edges all the time. If we're continuing to evolve yeah. and you know, those initial moments of like, Ooh, like, you know, feeling like this is, you know, part of my path and how am I going to integrate this? And um, yeah. Anything that comes up for you around that? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great question. And I think, just what you said that it you know it takes time and one thing that I do see is just that people so many people are waking up to their own healing abilities Mm -hmm. and talents and and then we want things overnight Mm -hmm. and that they it really does take time to develop our practice you know whether we're working one-on-one with people or working with groups that it's not something that happens overnight even if you're an incredibly talented gifted healer like I think every incredibly talented gifted healer I know has been doing this work for so long and it just it just takes time to build and I think we do live in a very fast-paced society and we're like, I want it now. No, I want like this. And this is all I want to do. And, you know, I teach spiritual business classes and mm-hmm. I, I tell people not to quit their day job right away and to also to give your healing practice the sacred, um, it's like a young garden and it takes time to grow and to not put too much financial pressure on it too quickly Mm. so that there can be something else that is still supporting us as we grow as healers I remember one of one of the first healing sessions I did with somebody a Reiki session but kind of mixed with lots of other things that were just coming in intuitively and it was so magical and I was like oh my god I can't believe I'm 
getting to do this for my work. This is like pure magic and bliss. And then he paid me $80, which felt like so much money. And I was like, thank you, God. Like, wow, this is so amazing. But then if I'd been like, okay, now, and how many of those do I have to do in a week so that I can pay for the, you know, my rent and my this and my this and this, and it would have taken a lot of the magic out of it. So as I was transitioning, you know, I closed my jewelry store and essentially I closed like 90, 90% of my business, but kept just a little bit, you know, and I, because I had my own business, I had that flexibility to, you know, keep some accounts and still make some jewelry. I was just selling jewelry to Japan at the time. And, and it was just paying enough for me to live and to take the classes that I wanted to take and to right. slowly open Maha Rose. But if I had cut off everything, I mean, well, I couldn't have, you know, you need to, it's nice to have some kind of income stream that's supporting you while you're while our magical rose gardens are growing yes and to hold i love what you i love that you're speaking to that because i feel like it's really true and it also is a way for us to really hold some sacredness around what it is because oftentimes what we're sharing is what is also our connection to god or to us and so and i know from you know, in my seat, it's, I'm constantly having to remind myself to keep something like, because, you know, I want to share everything. It's just like my being, like, if I feel something that I'm like, you must tell everybody immediately, you know? And And so I have to constantly remind myself, like, along the same lines of what you were just sharing, like, what piece is also for me and like how to keep some things sacred and some things in as a way to also just keep ourselves nurtured and nourished in the same way that we were just speaking to almost financially it also is it on the spiritual level I think it's the same yeah. thing I don't do you feel like that do you, does that really yeah, definitely and you know in this day of social media yeah like oh my god I just had this amazing meditation and now I'm gonna tell everybody about my amazing meditation yeah. and yes share yes share some of that but yeah just exactly maybe not everything some things are just for you and 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 some things are for everybody or anybody who is you know following you (laughs) but yeah yeah and I think I mean I liked what you said also just about what you're sharing is your connection to God and really I think you know as healers people are that's you know they're drawn to our essence and Recently, I was thinking about that and really realizing that for me, yeah, that that is what I have to share, like Mm. my connection to God and my connection to Amma, like Mm. that's all I have that really matters, you know. There's some other fun things, my my amazing sense of humor, (laughs) my creativity, my good looks, (laughs) but really, you know, those things are passing. The connection to spirit, which I think, you know, coming from a culture also that's totally traumatized by religion and you know so maybe just having a different kind of connection and sharing that with people is 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 such a gift Mm -hmm. if you would share like a piece that in one way that you connect to your intuitive awareness like what's one way that you find like really helps you to do that or something that you do that really helps you connect into that space I mean pausing pause 
pausing, <laughs> that slowing down, which I'm with, with many of us am a kind of fast pace, go, 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 do, 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 do. But the slowing, just the slowing down and listening internally and um, especially with decision-making or, you know, if something's not clear, not rushing, kind of trusting the process. Um, I mean, and those are really subtle, basic ways. Another thing that is really powerful for me is writing. Mm. Sometimes if I'm not, and I don't even do it as much as I, I could, as I could. Yeah. <laughs> I could do it more, but it's, a, it's amazing to me what happens when you put pen to paper. Absolutely. Yeah. I can really relate to that. It's, right? it's yeah, wild. It is. It really opens up that channel. You know, it, it feels yeah. like really everything can flood, flood through, you know, or the contents of the mind can like start yeah. to empty and then it makes some of that space, I think. And like, and with prayer, like written prayer versus just saying a prayer in your head, totally mm. different. Totally. And it's, I think part of how we get like re- like we become rewired too, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like when we're in that, it's sometimes it feels like, okay, I am going to like force myself to at least maybe initially it was forcing myself to just do it at all to like write mm -hmm. to the prompt or the suggestion of the, you know, teacher I was studying with or whatever it was where now it's like, okay, if I can just get to yeah. the point where I'm writing, then all of that naturally flows. And then I think I also learned like, oh, like what's actually going on inside and, and that feels to me really comforting, you know? Yeah. Will you talk about Alma and tell us who she is? And I know, um, you know, I have such a, also such a sweet connection to Alma and I'd love to hear, you can just tell our listeners who Alma is and if you have a story that you would share with us from India, I'd love to, mm. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> Okay, um, so Amma, you know, one nickname for her is the Hugging Saint. She's from a small fishing village in India, the state of Kerala on the southwest border of India. And she was just born a little bit differently than most of us. And I think just really had incredible devotion to Krishna and then Devi and I would say merge with them. She's, you know, in a human body, but my experience from watching her and being with her the past 11 years is that she's beyond human. So I guess our full human potential. Mm -hmm. So yeah, enlightened being, compassionate, divine mother, um, yeah, it's hard. It's actually kind of sometimes hard to talk about. And I think everybody has such a different experience with her. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to tell anybody what their experience with her should be. Mm -hmm. And certainly when I first met her, it wasn't an instant like, oh my God, this person is not a person. This person's a divine being. But, you know, and I met her in New York and I went one day and then I went the next day and then I went the next day. And then it was like, four months later five months later that I was actually going to this trade show in Paris anyway and my friend Padma was in India and she was like and I was like I'll come visit you in India I'm gonna be in Paris it's halfway there mm -hmm. and from Paris I got an email from her saying like you know it's really intense here maybe 
you should think about if you want to come or not. And I was like, I'm coming. What are you talking about? And so I got to the ashram and, you know, I had been studying Buddhism and meditating and I was like, I'm on a spiritual path. And I got to India and was like, holy shit. Like I felt, I felt like a kindergartner and that this was like PhD level <laughs> of spirituality. And the main temple at her ashram is a Kali temple. Mm. And I just kind of got right away that I was going to have to let go of a lot of things, like things that I thought were real and that really mattered. And yeah, that I, that they just weren't real. And she was only there for the first two days that I was there. And then she um, left. So I didn't even get a hug from her there when I was in India that time. And then she left and, you know, I kept making plans to leave and go travel, but then just kept staying. And, you know, there's pictures of her everywhere. And I was like, you guys are a little weird. This is a little extreme. Um, and, and, I'm, and I was like, are you my teacher? And then by the end, I was like, this, she's, you're my teacher. And I came back to the States and she was going to be in California in the November. And so I went out there then. And that's when I received a mantra from her, which is like, taking her formally to be your teacher. And so that was my India ashram experience. But it was really interesting because she wasn't there for those four weeks. But they say when you're at the ashram that you're in the body of the guru. And I really connected with her on such a deep in, inner, inner place, not with her physical form, but yeah, from just being in her home. Mm. And that was cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Would you speak to the Kali temple? Like the, <laughs> the Kali? I'm like, because, um, just because, <laughs> but. Because you love her. <laughs> yeah, because I love her and because it's, she's been such a huge, she is, you know, Kali is my teacher also. And it's really, at times super intense and I almost <laughs> forgot about the connection of Amma and Kali and but one time when I saw Amma I I immediately got my period like she like hugged me and then I sat down and meditated and I was like bleeding everywhere and I was like what the <laughs> you know but it was like one of those things where you know I yeah and then I like went home and broke up with my boyfriend and then like you know, everything <laughs> changed and so you know, that was one experience of the hug and others weren't like that. But it's just really interesting to me as I navigate this journey then of also being a teacher and having some of that energy that from some traditions is like you don't invoke Kali unless you want, you're, unless you're ready, you know? And that's like, it's a very powerful, it's a powerful energy to work with. And I don't ever really remember like signing any consent form. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also like a little bit tricky because, you know, as I facilitate spaces of healing and transformation for others, it's like, I do start feeling like, I think people really need to sign a consent form, but it's yeah. like, I never signed a consent form. So I don't know, like, what, what is your, and, and I'm laughing, but it's also like, it is really intense. Yeah. There are moments where it really isn't funny. Like I can laugh about it now. And, uh, you know, and I, I probably was laughing a little bit then at certain points as well, but 
it just is. It's a big energy that really is so powerful and, and it's love, you know, like Ama for me, I, I, yeah, I don't want to say what it is, but in my experience, that is this love that it loves, it, it loves and doesn't hold back, doesn't care about necessarily what you want or what you don't. And so I've been really in my own um, practice just feeling into like, how do I honor and, and hold and respect all of this power that, you know, Kali holds and is and, and still work with it and, and share it, but in a responsible way. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, not, and, and also knowing yeah. I'm not really in charge of anything. And yeah. here we all are in these bodies. So, you know, it's, yeah, I don't exactly know what my question is, but I think I, I got I got a couple questions from that. Cool. And that they're all wonderful questions. But cool. I think what you said at the very end, you're not in charge. So we're just the channels, number one. Yeah. So whoever's gonna come through is gonna come through. And the people who are signing up to work with you know that on some soul level. And the consent form is really more like like a contract it's not like it's like you and Kali signed this kind of I don't know if it's a wet marriage license or just definitely a, a long-term <laughs> lease <laughs> like what it yeah more like a marriage license um for me <laughs> yeah like you got me there's something like yeah we're gonna work together and and the people who are coming to you know that on a soul level mm. even if you get a couple who are like holy shit this is not what I thought I was signing up for but I think I think people know I think just the way that you can go to somebody's website and see somebody's picture and be like I want to work with that person or oh that person we're not meant to work together mm -hmm. so it's like we know things without we just know things we know things right. and and the Kali you know so the okay so coming back to the mother and the divine feminine you know there's the compassionate, nurturing, loving, soft, gentle side of the Divine Mother, and then there's the fierce, loving side of the Mother. And they're both important to cultivate, and I definitely had a teacher tell me once, like, okay, that's great, you've got the sweet, loving, gentle side, like, now let's call out your fierce mother side. You can't, you're only going to get so far with just one side or the other, you know, we need to not need to, but it's helpful to cultivate both sides. You know, there's times to be soft and loving and just pure nurturing. And there's times to be like, no, no way. Like, mm. no, or definitely not. You know, like in a yeah, like, or get rid of that, let that go. You know, she's a little, she's maybe a little faster. She does, you know, Kali, Kali's got the ax and she does the chopping and she wears, you asked to just talk about her a little bit, the, the skulls around her neck, you know, Kali cuts off the heads of our demons or our vasanas. So, you know, the loving, nurturing side, yes, change and transformation comes through love, but that kind of strong love is going to facilitate a faster transformation in general. So it's not, it's not always, um, yeah, comfortable but it can be painful for sure but it's it's fast and, and it's it's because because she loved us and so if we've signed up you know again all these weird or not weird but all these kind of 
unwritten contracts that we didn't realize we signed. Oh, you know, like when people talk about intention setting and, you know, if you make the intention for certain things, like things are going to happen. You yeah. Know, if you pray and ask for certain things, things are going to happen. So they <laughs> say, I always say, like, be careful what you wish for because yeah. it's real. Like, it really, it's real. But, you know, um, yeah, thank you for you know, speaking to her and also speaking to the divine feminine. I feel like um, yeah. something that it's been such a such a wild journey of exploration for me over our, all these years of of really learning and continuing to discover what those words mean to me yeah. and working with the things that arise, just like anything I feel when we devote ourselves to the discovery of something we're going to be asked to explore all sides of it um yeah. you know and so yeah. it's been really interesting for me to explore the divine feminine in in the ways of um the shadows and in the more recent years of you know really exploring the the shadow work and and the aspects of um the the feminine from my perspective and really when I say feminine right now, what I mean is this principle that I feel is in all beings and all things that like what you shared, there's these different aspects to it, these different, you know, compassion and all these different um, qualities and attributes. But I feel, um, you know, it also is just this greater principle of relatedness and acknowledging that all things are related. And so to me, um, right relationship with within ourselves, with one another, with the earth, with spirit is a part of that feminine way of approaching spirituality. Um, and so do you have any other thoughts on shadow work and on, you know, facing into the, uh, you know, part of my intention with this podcast is to you know, talk about the things that, you know, not everybody wants to talk about. And when I ask questions about it, sometimes in certain spiritual circles, it's like, well, that's not what this is. And, you know, and, and, and I received that a lot. And I'd be like, well, what about, you know, these people giving tantric massages, but they're not really, you know, like, they're, they're like, just like, <laughs> like hurting people. And, you know, and then it's like, well, that's not Tantra. And then I'm like, well, where do you talk about these things? You know, like, I get that that's not Tantra. I get that that's not Tantra, but like, here's this whole world that we live in that I feel like has this crazy stuff going on. And, and I, I just feel like nobody wants to talk about it and I barely want to talk about it, but I still know the importance of working with that deeper stuff within and, and something I've been exploring over these past couple of years, a few years of really looking into the ways that, you know, I've, I've got really good at getting spiritually high and, yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't totally include like turning the lights down into the, into the darkness all the time. Although it does happen here and there, um, I think, yeah, there's a new phase of it that I'm learning about. So I'm curious if you have any insights around that. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I've been living more upstate. And, and so I come down into the city every other week for a few days. And I take the train down and I get out at Penn Station or Grand Central and then take the subway and then walk down Manhattan Avenue. And just seeing New York like after being just in the trees and in my little bubble of nature, which is really amazing in my little bubble world, which is really 
generally pretty beautiful. And then, yeah, coming into Penn Station and just seeing so many people, number one. (laughs) I'm like, holy, like, oh, population. Like, I see, like, we really have exploded. And then, like, seeing all the stores and everything, like, just trying to sell us things everywhere and the movie posters. And I don't know, like, I definitely was walking down Manhattan Avenue just now and looking at, like, newspaper headlines and, you know, not... I think I think I kept seeing things that I was like oh man like that's not good and that's not good and that's not good and then I saw the next thing I saw was like all these nuts like in a bodega like in the window face like on the inside of the window and I was like that's not good like they're gonna go rancid like people shouldn't be eating them and then I was like well all I'm doing is looking around and like seeing so much fault with every, like each mm. each place and when it got to the nuts I was like like, okay you can really look around and see like yeah what's wrong with the world and Mm -hmm. certainly there's a lot of suffering and a lot wrong right now Mm -hmm. and in some I don't know in some ways I, I mean I think it's great that we're all looking at everything and things are coming to the surface but then what we do with that and I think that's the key with shadow work is like okay looking at it and then what are we yeah what are we doing how are we like really transmuting this because to just look at things and be like this is horrible and this is you know like mm-hmm. it doesn't help anybody but to look at something and be like oh you know should I go inside and talk to that shop owner and be like you know it's not healthy for people to eat nuts if they've been sitting if they're getting hot and going rancid but maybe you could put like a thing there <laughs> and I didn't do that right you know, like when we see the things that we don't like to make changes and the same goes like in our own inner work that like really, yeah, the healing work and it's great to do the practices that like you say, make us high and feel really, you know, spiritually uplifted. And then the other side of that is looking into our own shadows and our vasanas and really just looking at ourselves, looking at the beauty and looking at the challenges. And, and, you know, I just was with Amla for about a week and, and I feel like when I'm with her, you know, her vibration is so high that it just brings things to the surface. And mm-hmm. I was, yeah, like seeing, you know, and it really is like the onion, like as we do healing work or as we meditate and do spiritual work, like you peel off a layer, like, oh, I didn't know I hadn't peeled that yet. And look at that part of myself. And Amma really helps us to see ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and then we can kind of work with it because if we're not aware of something, then we can't change it. And we're probably operating from that place. Like they say the subconscious, we're like 97 or 98% run by our subconscious. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't looking at that and seeing what's there and shifting it, then we're just kind of on autopilot from a place that may be good or maybe not good or not, not good or bad, but like, mm-hmm. is that the place that we want? Yeah. The default. And is that the way manner we want to be operating? Right. And it oftentimes doesn't, I think it doesn't feel authentic, you know, there's something about it that doesn't feel satisfying. And so it, yeah, you can see the people who like really crave truth and healing right and spirit or God on a deep level who have done their own work, it's a really different vibration than someone who's, who wants like just 
just the happy sides of spirituality. And actually, I teach laughter yoga. And yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did do it. Um, yeah, we've done it together. Did, it's amazing. <laughs> and it's actually like such deep work. And I oh, think yeah. people are really scared of it. Of everything I teach, it's like the <laughs> lowest attended class. And and people and then people come and have like the most cathartic experience of their life. And they're like, I'm going to do this. I'm coming back every class. And then they don't come back. It's hard. I think it's hard, number one, for us to be silly and whatever, be vulnerable in this way. And, yeah. But it's, it's, like, it's so deep and so profound and, and terrifying. But it's a practice. And but even so with that, you know, like there's this teaching from Amma you know about the tree and that the, br- the branches of the tree are our joy and happiness that's reaching up to god into the heavens and then it's the roots of the tree that's our the sadness or sorrow that reaches down into the earth and you can't have one without the other so they need to grow together if you can't you can't just be happy all the time and not that great to be sad all the time it's not great to stay in either one but to be willing to accept the full spectrum of human emotions and is the will it's that willingness to go into our shadow and to our light and to accept it all and love it all and play with it all and not be attached to any of it yeah and the willingness i feel like that you yeah. sharing that that's huge that feels to me like yeah. is everything because when we go in yeah in any one of the directions for too long it just the other thing starts getting kind of like stinky or something, you know, like it's like, it just starts, or it just starts to feel like not really true um, Mm -hmm. in a certain way, or it's just does then like as unconscious does, which we all have, but it does then create things I feel in our lives that we're, you know, not necessarily feeling like we are wanting or that there we have you know not that we have control over everything but you know that we're like really having no command because sometimes I feel when there's wounding inside that we don't ever address you know that that does create this shame and I think there's um the work that you're doing with laughter yoga so one of the things that Lisa does is um she does um these classes where you come together and again it's it's something where I'm not going to probably describe it perfectly, but my experience where you come together and, and Lisa holds a really strong space of healing for, you know, the things that um, are going on to really feel safe to be there. And also we laugh and I know that laughing is also just like, it is, it's so spiritual. Like it sounds like such a silly thing to say, but I really, you know, there's been so many times where, it just when it emerges because it's uncontrollable right it's like it's like that uncontrollable nature within us like the thing that pulls us to do anything is to me like the essence of spirituality it's like the pull in us whatever we're doing right now is like there's a pull and it's something we can't fully understand or explain whether we're being pulled to do something we want to do or not there is that essence and i think laughing because it comes so deep down and my experience of walking on a path that the deeper I got into my own uh, essence and the deeper the connection I developed with myself, I could feel like the energy of my laugh, like coming from deep inside my guts. Like I remember being in India one time and like starting like a hysterical laughing fit, which has happened to me before. 
but it's like it's a deep healing like I literally feel the essence of that and we laugh and I laugh like as a way to cover up insecurity and I laugh as a way to you know I the same way that I talk as a way to cover up you know whatever's going on inside and so when we kind of really get into that we feel what is the vulnerability underneath and what is maybe the shame that's under whatever it is that we're you know covering it up with so I love that practice so much mm -hmm. and it is like it's it is intense and it's something that also I think people are afraid of because um it is like an extreme willingness. To me, it doesn't make sense because it's always been pretty, na like I'm a pretty willing person in that sense because I believe that whatever. And you have a lot of laughter. Right, and I have a lot of laughter. But if it's like that is something that's really contracted and contained and hasn't been allowed, you know, which it hasn't been for a lot of people. They might've been shamed when they were kids for laughing or shamed for, you know, whatever it was. And then seems silly, but that stuff really lives in us and all of that vibration um like you said helps bring it to the surface mm -hmm. um will you say something about vulnerability and shame and in, in that like i feel like those are two things that keep arising in my awareness right now but also around you know you work with so much joy and so much light like that is when i think of you i think of you as like an angel of like rainbow prism like <laughs> light healing love energy and that's like an energy that you've been um like as a person and as a friend but also as a healer to me over the years um and i just feel like there is a connection between all of that and our our vulnerability and how and how deep of a journey it is to be vulnerable yeah 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 haha -ha. <laughs> <laughs> and i'll just share that that like <laughs> One, one little tool from laughter yoga is that whenever you're feeling stressed about something or if you touch something that's kind of painful, you can just add a ha-ha at the end. And, you know, with laughter yoga, we just the laughing shifts our brain chemistry. So sometimes in laughter yoga, we laugh about things that we aren't funny, you know. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 ha-ha. That we're feeling stressed about. Or, yeah, like, or, yeah, I mean, that would be an amazing exercise. Just, I'm working on moving through deep-rooted shame. <laughs> and it That's might... why it's better to do it in a group, too, because you really <laughs> can get that support and yeah. you feel that. And then even if you're just like, okay, I'm going to say this, and then you feel yeah. that rush of support. Totally. And that, that's what I tell people before that exercise. I'm like, okay, it might be really hard and feel really counterintuitive. Like even if people say things that are really dark, we're going to laugh about them. And, and people feel weird, of course, <laughs> at first about laughing about really dark things. But it, then it is so, it's like, it's like confession. And mm -hmm. I taught it once with a group of college students, like really young people, like 20, 21 and the things they said were so dark mm. and we were all laughing and then we got to the end we did the circle and then this woman was like can we go around again and then the things got even darker and we were all laughing and it was i think such an incredibly cathartic experience because i think everybody thinks that they have that they're the only one with these kind of dark feelings or shame or guilt or anger or depression and when you share that in a group, it's like, oh, wow, we all are going through the same things. We're all stressed about these things or afraid about these things. And 
ha ha, like we can all laugh about it together. And it really, I think that's the thing with the shame is that it is so, um, what's the word when you, isolating. Yeah. <laughs> shame is so isolating, but when you kind of share those things that feel shameful and other people are like, oh, I feel that way too, or I've felt like that, or, you know, I've had that experience and it's like, oh, we're all having the same experiences and we're all like trying really hard to pretend like everything's cool and that, you know, yeah, that we have, ha ha, <laughs> everything's fine, ha <laughs> ha Exactly. Yeah, everything's fine, life is amazing, like, ha ha ha. But when it's like, oh, everything's not fine, and, you know, my life's falling apart, or I'm falling apart, and, mm-hmm. and that's part of life, too. We fall apart, and then, you know, you said that about, I think, moving to L.A., like, yeah, mm-hmm. we die, and then we're reborn again, and this is the cycle, and mm-hmm. all these cycles, same thing with, like, joy to sorrow, sorrow to joy. This is the human experience. We're all having the same human experience and we can laugh about it and see uh-huh. how funny it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is quite ridiculous being human. It is. That's the other part. It really is. It's helpful to laugh at it. Yeah, it's helpful to laugh at how ridiculous. Who is one of your soul crushes? If you Ooh. to pick one or two if you can't pick one. Oh, well, the first person who just popped into my head as soon as you said it was Luke, who I think is probably our mutual soul crush. Yes, Luke Simon. You can find him. He's an amazing healer and just such an amazing person and being. And, oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Dolphin. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. He is a dolphin. And I think we've met through Luke, so that's probably why he popped in. I love that. That's a great, that's a great soul crush. He'll be, he'll be a soul crush on this podcast at some point for sure. Yeah. Can I give you one more? Yes, please. Cause she's in California too. LaVon Natasha Caesar. Mm-hmm. She was, she was living in New York. She was here on the Brooklyn Maha Rose roster for a while, but she's in California now. And I think she goes to LA sometimes. So you should definitely check her out. Her Instagram is the lighthouse vibration. Oh, that sounds yeah. great. <laughs> You'll like her. Cool. I'll check her out for sure. Yeah. What is, I want to ask you one more question, and I wanted to hear about your experience of being a mother. Oh. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, because it's just been really, I mean, it just has been super inspiring from afar. I mean, you know, you and I don't talk. and so it's not like I have any idea what's going on and nor does do any of us um through any other forms until we actually communicate like (laughs) everything else is just like this little glimpse of a moment um amongst many other moments but you know it has just been really inspiring for me to see you be a woman who really has taken charge of like you know creating a business and you know being yeah cultivating a beautiful life I mean it's you know no matter how many hard moments you have a really beautiful life and so um that having a child and bringing a child into the world um feels like a part of it and and I wanted to just acknowledge that but also just hear if you have any um any (laughs) any love that you want to send out to any any parents that are listening or anything like that I'd love to just open that doorway too yeah um yeah, I, I, I will say I 
do have a beautiful life and mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for, yeah, just for, it's good to stop and just acknowledge that and say thank you mm-hmm. to God for everything. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, but I'm such an artist. I didn't really ever think I was going to have kids and um, my husband wanted a child. And so I opened up to the idea and then it, he kind of came through really quickly was clearly like yes thank you I was thinking the same thing and it's definitely as amazing as everybody says it is it's a love it's it's such a yeah just pure that mothering unconditional love and you know having Amma who's a divine mother as my teacher and then getting to embody that with my own child is really is really a powerful spiritual practice and I do have to kind of consider it my spiritual practice because I don't get to meditate as much as I used to and all many other practices and other things that I would love to be doing for myself. Ha ha ha. I don't happen nearly as frequently. So, but the trade-off is, is totally worth it. And, um, and is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I was surprised how much I was spiritually growing by being a mother because mm. um, I think I thought oh I'm not meditating and I'm not doing this as much and so um, I can't be growing you know spiritually <laughs> because I'm not doing those things right um, and then when I had like some kind of a marker generally when I teach a Reiki master's class it feels like a marker to me of the past six months or year and I'm still growing. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Even though I'm not meditating every day. Yeah. This is the like child meditation, which is pretty much like, it's not 24 7, but it's, it kind of is because even when you're not together they're like in your psyche and and it's it's really it's super magical and just child development and what I learned from him and you know that just presence and joy and being in his body actually last night oh my god and he loves to run around naked all the time and we live upstate and it's hot right now so he's been naked for days and I see his I wait we all sleep together and in bed and I usually wake up with a little butt in my face with a little butt and balls in my face and I was in bed last night like thinking about his root chakra like and the total um absence of shame you know like just being full nudity and fully in his body fully embodying his entire body and I was like just I just thought about his root chakra and all of a sudden I felt it like I felt it in mine Mm -hmm. like how his feels like the openness of his root chakra Mm -hmm. and it was such an amazing I was like what you know like that's amazing just how open and I guess it happens in life that are you know the chakras kind of close and begin to protect themselves in different ways and he's just mm-hmm. kind of wide open yeah yeah it's incredible it's incredible we'll hope we'll see it'll be interesting you know like try to help him stay as open as possible for as long as possible yeah and what a what a cool experience and also I feel like as and as a mother like I've never heard that you know and it makes total, but it makes absolutely totally it makes so much sense to me because it, it also and also what a great experience for you you know it's like what exactly what you just 
said that experience of being a mother and like you continue to grow it's like being with a child or and being with a baby I mean and being with an enlightened teacher and master you know I mean the soul is so strong in in either case and I feel like that's you know yeah that freedom right that liberation and uh that you know just that pure body you know and pure seamlessness yeah um, is so powerful. So it's cool that you're able to, that you were able to tune in in that way. Yeah. 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 Cause I'm cool. sure there's lots of other moments happening too. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a cool moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see it all day. It's naked. Thousands around. I love that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and so much love. And I, I just feel, um, I feel you and I feel, you know your your joy just who you are has always just really brought out you know something in me that like an excitement and a joy uh, in my own heart so i'm grateful to you and to your soul and um yeah so thank you for taking the time yeah. to share cool. thank you so much this was really fun and so happy to connect with you yes do you want to meditate for a couple minutes sure okay it's i mean we're literally going to meditate for two minutes but okay that's that's a long time (laughs) (laughs) so if you're listening um and you're not driving you can find a comfortable seat you can sit on a couch you can find a comfortable seat right in the chair where you are if you're sitting in a chair you can have your feet on the ground just so you can stay connected to the earth and then just let your eyes come closed when you feel ready and if you're driving you can Keep listening, but don't close your eyes, obviously. And also, you can kind of take in the words and the energy behind the words, but also stay really awake and aware um, with what you're doing as you drive. As you close your eyes, take a moment and just feel your seat where you're sitting. Relax your body, relax your jaw. And just let any energy inside you that is moving around and anything that's happening in your inner world, the part of you that no one can see, but that you can sense and feel, just invite and welcome all of it to be here in this moment and to be acknowledged and honored. If you can feel and sense the light coming through your eyelids and just let that light move into your body, move into your brain, move down into your heart in the center of your chest. And just acknowledging the soul that's inside each and every human and the heart, the human heart the love that our souls unconditionally give and that they also long to connect into, to reconnect with that nature, that true nature of love.
can relax your jaw and your stomach a little bit deeper for this last moment and just open you can even imagine opening your arms out into receiving receiving the love that you give out all the time receiving the light that you are and opening up to the experience of grace and all there is to learn. And then you can let your body move a little bit and when you feel ready, you can open your eyes. Thank you again. Thanks, honey. Oh, sending out lots of love to everybody. And you can find Lisa. Would you share your um, website and your Instagram? Uh, yeah, it's um, maharose.com. Instagram is maharoseNYC. And then I do a little bit on my personal Instagram is Lisa Nelson Levine. Beautiful. Mostly laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 